Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 6. And we're going to read it together. And after that, I'll offer a prayer. And if you want to repeat phrase by phrase, and those of you in the viewing and listening audience may repeat and join in this prayer with us if you choose. First, we'll read Jeremiah 33, 6. Let us read it in unison, shall we? Behold, I will bring it health and cure, and I will cure them and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. We'll keep our Bibles open as we pray. And if you'd like, I often just lay my hand on the text in token of gentle trust in the Lord. And now I'll pray this prayer, phrase by phrase, if you'd like all to repeat together. Dear Father in heaven, we come to you through Jesus. We come to you You have promised us cure. You have promised us cure. And help. And we come asking. And we come asking. And we come believing. And we come believing. And we thank you that we are receiving. And we thank you that we are receiving. To the fullest extent to the fullest extent of your infinite love and wisdom of your infinite love and wisdom in Jesus name in Jesus name amen. amen in the gospel teaching and healing are never to be separated Jesus united them completely and all together throughout his entire ministry if you'd like to open the bible with me to acts the 10th chapter and the 38th verse. Let us read this again together, shall we? Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus Christ tells us that the gospel is not just teaching, the gospel is teaching and healing. The healing of the soul, the healing of the body, the healing of the mind. The gospel embraces it all. In Isaiah, the 53rd chapter and the 5th verse, it says, With his stripes we're healed. So healing is in the atonement. And it is true, as we shall learn later, that the full results of the atonement will not be realized until we are resurrected from the dead. The redemption of the body, you see, is all involved in the atonement. But healing and teaching belong together. It did in the life of Christ. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, isn't he? Hebrews 13.8. And so as we study together, those of you in your homes, those of us here in this family together, we're going to open our Bibles to Mark the 16th chapter, verses 17 and 18. These are the words of Jesus Christ. He was just about to leave his disciples, and this is a promise that my wife and I have claimed again and again. I'm sure that our pastor who is sitting beside me, Pastor Verstey, has used this many times in his ministry also. Mark 16, verses 17 and 18. Shall we all read it together? He that... Uh, 17 will begin with. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Oh, how many times we've done that. I'm thinking right now of that lovely daughter of a Methodist minister that was lying in the hospital in a dying condition. You remember that, Mother? We went down about 11 o'clock at night. The death rattle was in her throat at that time. And my wife and I claimed this promise. And I still remember, as we were claiming the promise, we were saying to the Lord something like this. Dear Lord, we didn't think up this idea of laying our hands on this girl. This idea did not originate with us. Jesus told us to do this. It's not our choice. It's merely because we're followers of Jesus. 
He said, you may lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So as we we're saying to the Lord, it's not our idea. It didn't originate with us. We have no, uh, we accept no credit whatsoever. We're merely following your directions. And we laid our hands on this precious little angel-like girl. And we said, Lord, you've promised. Now, we don't know at what time she'll get well. We're not going to tell you what to do. We're not going to command you, Lord. We're going to take hold of your willingness, your eagerness, because you love her and you love us. And your wisdom far surpasses our puny a creaturely wisdom. But, dear Lord, Jesus died for this girl. He shed his blood on Calvary for her. This is about the way we prayed. And then gently we laid our hands on her. And we said, Lord, if it may please you to rebuke the devil and the power of the devil on her, thank you for healing her. And then we add these words, and we make it a practice always to add these words, to the fullest extent of your infinite love and wisdom. You see, that makes it a commitment. But it doesn't go around talking about it as though we didn't expect it. To the, it makes it a, it's a positive statement. To the fullest extent of your infinite love and wisdom. The death rally, rattle left her throat immediately. The next afternoon at 3 o'clock, she sat up and ate and went home. And were we thrilled. And I think of the love of Jesus. And I wonder, uh, Damon and Mary Lou, would you sing a stanza of that song? My Jesus, I love thee. Sure. I know thou art mine. This is my favorite of all the songs in all the hymn books. My Jesus, I love thee. And then I think in... Uh, in the book that we're singing from, it's uh, 276, isn't it, Pastor? Yes. And after uh, Damon and uh, Mary Lou sing the first stanza, we will join with them, if you'd like. And uh, those of you in the audience, in the, the viewing audience, the listening audience, may want to unite with us on the second stanza. Thank you. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine, for thee of the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art Jesus, tis now. Shall we all join in the second stanza? I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. Notice that third stanza, and I'm wondering if Dottie would join uh, Mary Lou and Damon in singing that third stanza moment. I'll love thee in life. I'll love thee in death. I'll love thee as long as thou lendest me breath. This shows the commitment in our hearts as we're praying for healing. We're not trying to boss the Lord. We're not trying to put him in his place. We're merely taking advantage of his wonderful eagerness and his extreme willingness. And whether we live or whether we die, we'll be praising him. Thank you three for singing that third. Oh, my. 
Thank you. That was beautiful. Let us all, including the audience, sing the last stanza, shall we? In mansions of glory and endless delight, I'll that represents our hearts. Now, we want you to notice with us, and the viewing audience, the listening audience also, who is authorized to pray for the sick? We just read in Mark 16, 18, 17, 18, these signs shall follow them that believe. You know, there are a lot of people in the world today who have the impression that the only individual who has the right to pray for the sick is an ordained minister. We hope to push that idea far out of the window. Anybody can pray for the sick who believes. These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Now, the Bible does say that the elders are among those who can anoint. In fact, it does say in James 5, and perhaps we should turn to James 5, 13 to 16, and read it together. And notice together why he says the elders of the church can do this and who these elders are. Whether the elder was Elder James uh, or whether it was uh, also the local elders. <clears throat> Beginning with the 13th verse, shall we all read together? And if those of you in your home have your Bibles, you may be free to open your Bible to James 5, 13 to 15 together. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now, because this speaks of oil, some people have the impression that the only time that we're to pray for the sick is when we use oil. Because it mentions the elders of the church, some have the impression that that only means ordained ministers. But if you would, at your convenience, turn to James, the first chapter and the first verse, it says that James wrote this epistle to the, to the scattered abroad tribes. They're all over in different cities. The local elders then of the church had the authority to take the anointing oil and go to these dear people. He didn't say, if any of you are afflicted, uh, call me and I'll make a 200-mile trip. <laughs> no, no. The Lord is near to all that call upon him. Right, Pastor Verse? Right. Just waiting. You see, it, the Lord wants us all to have this extreme luxury of knowing that we have the right to kneel right down and pray for an individual. Now, so we may use the oil, but that isn't the only thing. The oil doesn't heal. No place the Bible does say oil heals, right? But it's a gesture of faith. In the text we just read, the hands, it didn't say even to use oil in Mark 16, 18. It says they shall lay hands on the sick. So the oil, the anointing of oil is one gesture. Laying hands on the sick with or without the oil is another gesture. There's still another gesture of faith, and that is found in Psalm 107. If you'd like to turn to it, and I believe those in our, in our viewing and listening audience would like to turn with us to this beautiful, beautiful statement which I have read and claimed repeatedly. <clears throat> and I know that it works because God works. Uh, Psalm 107 Verse 20. Shall we read it together? He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. 
Now, this doesn't say anything about oil. It doesn't say anything about laying on of hands. You'll remember in the fourth chapter of John, a nobleman came to Jesus from Capernaum, and Jesus was over in Canaan of Galilee, and Jesus said at one o'clock that day, he said, Your son lives. Jesus didn't touch him with his hands. He didn't touch him with oil. He sent his word and healed. Thy son liveth. And when the man arrived back home, you recall the next day, and his, and his friends came out to see him, they were rejoicing. Your son was healed one o'clock yesterday. He said, I knew it. I believed it, the idea. I claimed that because he sent his word. I'm glad for the simplicity of the gospel, aren't you? Amen. The devil wants to complicate it, you see. All right, then, then uh, let us notice just a moment how the simplest person who believes in Jesus can pray for the sick. I have placed this in some of my books, but I would like to repeat it a dozen times over. My wife and I were conducting some meetings down in the southeast, and there was a lady there that was very sick. She was not well off financially. She couldn't pay for a nurse. So the various neighbors pitched in together and take, took turns sitting beside her because otherwise she'd fall out of bed and hurt herself. Among those that sat with her was a member of our flock there. This lady who sat with her was one of the humblest. Uh, she was sort of what I'd call a mousy Christian. Sweet, quiet, you'd hardly know she was in the sanctuary, you know. Uh, she was not abrasive, she was not proud. She, uh, she was just there, humbly talking to Jesus in her heart. Well, this lady took her turn sitting with the other ladies. And they asked me if I would go over with the pastor, I'm assuming, I've forgotten it so many years ago, if I would go over and see this lady and pray for her. So when I went into the house and, and uh, greeted this lady, she was just jubilant. Oh, she said, Pastor, I want to tell you what a wonderful member of your flock this Mrs. Blank is. Oh, she's wonderful. She's the sweetest Christian. And she went on. And I said, well, tell me, tell me. She said, well, she takes turns sitting with me so that I won't fall out of bed and hurt myself. And she said, one time when I closed my eyes and she thought I was asleep, she said she quietly slipped down on her knees and she closed her eyes. And I know she was praying for me. She said, but as she closed her eyes, I was impressed to open my eyes. And she said, I saw her, her lips moving. The lady was praying. And she said, you know what happened when she was praying for me? No, what happened? Tell me. She said, Jesus came in and he placed his hands on me. And I thought to myself, I'll never repeat that until I have more proof than that. I said, well, uh, great. Uh, how, do, how do you know it was Jesus? She said, Pastor, I felt the nail prints, the scars in his hands. I want to tell you, I was so thrilled. I know that when God says, when Jesus says, these signs shall follow them that believe, that any believing child of God has the right to pray for a friend, a loved one, his wife, the husband, the children, whoever. We've done it back home as a boy. How many times Father would pull down that good old Bible and claim a promise, and we'd all pray together. My mother was definitely healed. You've heard me say it a dozen times. <laughs> healed. I was six years of age. She was healed instantly of valvular leakage of the heart. She was 42 years of age. She lived to be 102. <laughs> so, so who is authorized to pray for the sick? Anyone who believes the Lord Jesus Christ. So may we say to all of us here, and to those of you who are viewing and listening, you have a right to invite Jesus Christ to go into a home with you. He said, Lo, I'm with you always, even on the end of the world. And you can say, Lord Jesus, you've said these signs will follow them that believe. Now, a caution. Of course, as we pray for the sick, we don't say, Now, Lord, heal him right now. Oh, no. Now, there's a text that shows why we shouldn't do that. As we pray for the sick, it's a prayer of commitment. But the spirit of reception is enfolded in the prayer of commitment. This is Romans 8, 23. And I think, uh, I just believe that 
a lot of you viewers and listeners have already gone in and found your Bible and are opening and reading with us. So we're a, a much larger family than what can be seen <laughs> on this tape or, or listened to. This is Romans 8.23. Would you like to read it with me? And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. So this says we're waiting for the redemption of our body. We're groaning. We'd like to have in every instance the Lord to heal us instantly. But aren't you glad that he's too wise to err? Oh my, when I think of how important it is not to demand of God. I remember when my wife and I went to Trinidad in our earliest missionary days. We built a tabernacle. Right across the road from the tabernacle, there was a man sitting in, his, in front of his little shack on the porch. It wasn't much of a porch, but what it was. He had, uh, he'd had a stroke. And in my enthusiasm and zeal to carry out the gospel, as I prayed for him, I didn't say, Lord, while we're groaning and while we'd like to see him healed now, we're going to completely surrender to your infinite love and your infinite will. For you know how much, his, how much he can stand spiritually. I didn't say that. I said, Lord, thank you for healing this man. Amen. And he was healed. He was healed instantly, as I recall, at least within the day. And then I learned a lesson I hope I'll never forget. He could walk. He was right back to normal. The first walk he took was over to the harlot with whom he'd been living. And the Lord said, my son, Glenn Coon, look here. Third John 2 says, I would above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. I remember back 31 years ago when I was praying for my own healing, the Lord strongly impressed me to say, Lord, I'm not asking you to heal me physically faster than you build me spiritually. For me to be healed physically and be a living rebel, oh no, I don't want that. I would like the two to go together. You've said you would above all things that I would prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. So as we pray, we pray a prayer of commitment in the spirit of warm reception because we're reaching out not to a God that's turning his face in the opposite direction, right? We're looking at an eager God. The Bible says, like as a father pities his child, so the Lord pities them that fear him. He remembereth our frame. He remembereth that we're dust. Now, uh, I know that he sends his word. We're holding a series of meetings a few years ago about, uh, well, in Azure Hills, Azure Hills, California. And we were praying for the sick one night. And at the close of the service, a lady walked up to me and she said, uh, I have a very, very dear friend who's in bed. She said she's so ill she couldn't be here tonight. We had suggested that if anyone had a friend who couldn't come, that those who did come would represent them. But somehow she missed understanding that. She said, would you please go over and visit my friend? And you know, my appointments were so, were so close, I didn't have a minute left. Oh, well, a minute. I didn't have an hour. <laughs> so I said, I can't work it, but I'll tell you what we will do. We'll go right in the pastor's study. You can dial your friend. Can she reach the telephone? Yes. We'll dial her, and we'll claim Psalms uh, 10720, I believe it was. He sent his word and healed them. And we'll say, Lord, thank you for healing our friend to the fullest extent of your infinite love and wisdom. And when the lady answered, we, we reached up in simple childlike trust and we prayed. A little later, the lady came back to me and she said, you know what happened that night? Tell me. <laughs> you always like to hear answers to prayer, right? She said, that friend of mine was healed of two diseases. Now, I didn't touch any oil. I didn't lay my hands on her. I did the same thing that our master did when he was in Cana of Galilee, and this nobleman was over in Caper was his son was over in Capernaum. He said his word and healed. I believe, Pastor, probably you've prayed for many people on the telephone. That's right. Right. 
It's wonderful that the Lord doesn't complicate the gospel, isn't it? You see, the devil wants to complicate what God has made very simple. And we don't claim these, these answers because we deserve them. We tell the Lord we don't deserve anything at all except death. But you said to come in the name of Jesus, the wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus. I'm thinking of another experience. In this case, we did lay our hands on a young, I think it was about nine years of age, boy. He was in the hospital. He was dying of leukemia. And the doctors had given him the treatment. All of his hair had come off his head. And his father was a minister. And uh, they were lovely people. We're holding a camp meeting series, and the minister and his wife came and they said, Brother Kuhn, our son is going to die unless the Lord sees fit to heal him. Would you, they knew we believed in healing, <laughs> would you go over to the hospital and pray for him? I said, yes. So they and we went over to the hospital where this nine-year-old boy lay there. And can't you imagine how Jesus would look down in the tenderest sympathy for that boy? And I just felt like crying. But you don't want to cry because if you cried, the boy would think there was no hope. So instead of crying, we, we smiled. And we claimed the promise of God. And we said, Lord, we ask you to believe him, to heal him. We believe you're healing him. See? We thank you for healing him. How? To the fullest extent of your infinite love and wisdom. You see, we didn't bring any negative in there. The commitment was a positive commitment. Thank you for doing it to the fullest extent of your infinite love and wisdom. And we usually tell people then this. We said, we have a little motto for you to follow. Every child of God, we tell them, who remains a child of God will be healed. And they kind of like that. And, and some, some people think, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is he saying they'll be healed instantly? Oh, no, no. Every child of God who remains a child of God will be healed. I said, you know when? Either now, <laughs> or in time, or in the resurrection. And one lady came to me, she had said, well, we've always believed that. I said, but we haven't always said it that way. I said, let's say it positively. Let's not talk about death. Let's not go into focus about death. Let's go into focus in Jesus Christ. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, I'm the resurrection and the life. So if Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life in his infinite love, Calvary love, creation power, if he sees best that I should lay down my life and sleep till the resurrection, I say, praise the Lord. I'd rather be asleep in Jesus than alive in Satan. <laughs> so that's the way the Lord works, isn't it? Oh, by the way, that's the last we heard about this boy for maybe, maybe a year. About a year later, we were eating in the Tacoma Park, a cafeteria at the sanitarium there. And as we were eating with some friends, in walked this minister and his wife and this boy. And they said, do you remember us? I said, no, I don't. <laughs> By the way, never, never ask a minister if he remembers you. You tempt him to lie. Just say, my name is the same it was the last time. I'm Jim Smith. Oh, it saves us a lot of embarrassment, you know. Some people say, do you remember me? I took you to the airport 27 years ago. We say, let's see, let's see. And they say, do you, do you, do you, do you remember us? And I said, uh, I had to tell the truth. I said, not quite, but the cogs are running, you know, something like that. They said, do you remember this boy? And I blinked twice. And I said, let's see, tell me. <laughs> they said, that's the boy that was dying of leukemia. And you and we prayed for him. And the Lord has completely healed him. You know, we felt like giving a coon hug. That's a hug by Glenn Coon. <laughs> Isn't the Lord wonderful? You know, why don't we sing? Uh, why don't you three people sing for us? That song, Near to the Heart of God. We'll just sing a couple stanzas. Thank you so much. I think that's in the hymnal we have, 681. Then we may join in the last one together. 681. <clears throat> and any of your home would like can sing it with us. It's entitled, There's a Place of Quiet Rest. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. 
Comfort sweet, near to the heart of God. We're just singing. There is a place of comfort sweet, near to the heart of God. A place where we our Savior meet, near to the heart of God. Oh, Jesus, blessed redeemer. and the listening audience, if you'd like, would sing the last stanza. could hear you and the viewing audience, the listening audience, singing with us. <laughs> Can't you imagine how sweet it is together? It's wonderful to belong to the family of God, isn't it, Pastor? Amen. Now, there's a new emphasis, as you can see from what we've been sharing already. There's a new emphasis in healing. It's a Bible emphasis that we're sharing everywhere we go. And the emphasis is that God wants to heal. And while we leave completely to his infinite love and wisdom, the time, the timing, yet nobody can ever tell us that God doesn't want to heal. The devil is the one who has the power of death, right? right. He is the author of sickness, not God. I have a, a book in my library <clears throat> that I read a couple pages from about 31 years ago. It's a textbook in many colleges. And uh, I, uh, well, the author is my teacher. <laughs> this author has taught me more about laws of prayer, laws of soul winning, laws of marriage, laws of healing than all other authors combined. So you can see the high esteem in which I hold this author. So when I read something from the pen of this author, I, I'll turn to the Bible and hunt till I find the same principle that I find enunciated by my favorite author. And I find it's there because my author is a Bible-believing child of God. <clears throat> when uh, 31 years ago, it seemed I was going to die. This was my first attack. And when I thought, it, I wondered if I was going to die or I wondered if I was going to be a permanent invalid. Then the thought came to me. Maybe you can serve God a lot better. Maybe you can glorify him much better by being sick the rest of your life. I'd heard a lot of professed Christians saying that, you know. And uh, I'm not belittling the willingness and the submission to be sick the rest of our lives. We should submit. But does God want, as a general rule, does God want his people to be sick? Imagine 400 members. Well, you have a thousand members of your church here, Pastor Verstey. What would you think if each one of those thousand said, I believe I could glorify God a lot better if I'm sick? 
Uh, would you tell us what kind of a sermon you might be preaching next week? <laughs> that would be quite a discouraging sermon, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would be. It would have certain motives, wouldn't it? <laughs> Thank you. So, as I studied it, I came across this statement in this beautiful book, page two hundred forty-six. There are three statements made there, and I looked at those. I studied those. I pondered on those three statements. I meditated on them. I really, I just assimilated them. And the first goes like something like this. There are thousands who can regain health if they will. And then something said to me, will you? <laughs> will you? And I said, well, yes, yes, Lord, I guess I will. But uh, is that the pattern, Lord? Then the next statement said, God does not want them to be sick. And I like to put my name in, you know. God does not want Glenn Coon to be sick. And I felt like saying, Lord, was that you saying that? <laughs> God does not. It was he saying it. Because Third John 2 says, I would above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. And the Lord inspired that statement. So, Lord, you don't want me to be sick. And I began to breathe a little more deeply, because <laughs> I was really in a bad way, I'm telling you. I had actually been taking barrels of cod liver oil. They're little barrels about an inch in diameter and an inch and a half high, <laughs> little barrels of cod liver oil. <laughs> and, uh, and I couldn't find that uh, the cod liver had helped my liver any up to that point. So I said, let's see, the first is there are thousands who can regain health if they will. Will you? Yes, if I'm supposed to. Uh, God does not want you, Glenn Coon, to be sick. Are you really sure, Lord? <laughs> because I've heard so many people say that probably they can glorify God better by being ill. Is that you, Lord, speaking through this, your servant? And the third one was, they should make up their mind to be well. I said, okay, Lord. I am going to make up my mind to be well. And then I had a little understanding with the Lord. <laughs> and the understanding went something like this. Since I'm not absolutely sure, Lord, but what I might be the exception, because every rule in the Bible has exceptions, you see, or nearly everyone. Since I might be the exception, I don't want to be uh, presumptuous. So, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. Just between you and me, I've heard so many people say, if it be thy will, if it be thy will. And, and I've heard a lot of people uh, sit beside a sick person and spend about a half an hour explaining to the sick person why though he's going to pray for him, he probably is not going to get well because he doesn't want to disappoint him, you see. <laughs> so if he was well, he'd be sick by the time they got through the half hour explanation. So I said, Lord, uh, I said, Lord, I'll tell you what I'll do. I said, just between you and me, this great big wall, if it be your will, I have found that people find it hard to for their faith to get up over that wall, if it be thy will. And unless, and we'll say, here I am, here's the wall, if it be thy will. On the other side of the wall is healing. How am I get, going to get over that wall of healing if the wall is up to heaven and has no windows and doors? So I said, Lord, by your grace, I want to reduce this wall very quickly to the size of a marble. Now it has all the potency of the wall. But I can step over a marble. <laughs> so I'm completely dedicated, Lord, to being sick, if I'm the exception. But so I can get over this, if it be thy will, program. I've reduced this to a marble, and I'm going to step right over to healing, and I'm going to say this. Thank you, Lord, for healing me. I'm not going to tell other people this, <laughs> because I don't want to be presumptuous, and I don't want to be accused of being presumptuous. So I said, Lord, how in the world can I be well unless I talk about being well, unless I think about being well, unless I focus on Jesus Christ and his life and his healing? How can I be well? So I'm going to focus on it. I would go out into my garage about three times a day, and I'd pick up these healing promises. He sent his word and healed them. I would, pick, I would open my Bible to a healing promise. I'd put my hand on it. And I'd read that healing promise, and I'd say, Lord, I ask you for your healing life to fill my life. 
I believe your healing life is filling my life. Thank you, it is filling my life. Thank you, I am getting well, dear Lord. And it was it, it beat all the cod liver oil I'd ever taken. That's a fact. I was able to get up and uh, percolate <laughs> for about two hours. Then I'd be weak. I was very weak. I'd go out to the garage again. I did the same thing again and again and again, perhaps three or four times a day. I did much of my visiting on my couch, <laughs> the telephone. I was calling people on the telephone, visiting with them over the telephone. Little did they know my head was on the pillow. <laughs> but the Lord gradually brought me to health. That was 31 years ago. What a wonderful Savior. Is Jesus my Savior? Right. Now this is... So the Lord wants us to, to major, to emphasize healing. Not emphasize, probably, I won't be healed. That's what he wants. I'm thinking of a lady right near this church, maybe 75 miles from where we're, we're videotaping this. Maybe I'll leave that story for tomorrow. <laughs> but it, it's a thrilling thing. She was once a strong believer in Jesus. Well, I guess I will tell it then. I've started. <laughs> she was a strong believer in Jesus. And she then she lost hold of the Lord, she and her husband. And some affliction came upon her that I can't describe. But the medical doctor told her she had between 20 and 30 different kinds of poison in her bloodstream. And he held out no hope whatsoever. She was crippled. A friend of ours asked if we'd go over and pray for her, which we did. And they said, now, uh, <laughs> they said, we're going to throw out a caution. Her husband smokes. And they said, we're telling you this so you won't pounce on him for smoking which we don't do anyway. But for some reason, he had, he had uh, equated smoking with, with uh, uh, total slavery into all sin, as though God would never accept it. So as we walked in, as we walked in, I saw him quickly put his cigarette aside, so I, I knew that I could say something if I wanted to. I said, now, folks, we're going to claim a promise of God for your healing. And I said, I think we claim Jeremiah 33, 6. I'll bring you health and cure. Put your name right in it, first and last name. I said, that's what I did 33 years ago. I'll bring Glenn Coon health and cure. I will cure Glenn Coon. And I said, and as I looked at him, I could see he was utterly dejected. So I thought, I'm not going to let the devil get him down because he's smoking. So I thought, Lord, help me, give me wisdom. So I turned to her and I said, now, as we ask God to bless you physically, if there's some little spiritual habit in your life that you've never been able to conquer, don't worry about that. Commit your physical healing and your spiritual healing completely to the Lord. Don't try to work ourselves up to do it. Just look up into his face and let him do it. Then I turned to him and I said, and if perchance with you, if you had some little habit that maybe you feel condemned over, it might be smoking, I said. Don't you let the devil condemn you at all. Not at all. There's no condemnation of them that are in Christ Jesus. So as we're re-accepting him now, we're going to ask him to do everything. Do the physical healing, do the spiritual healing, whatever needs to be done. I said, now you can't kneel, sister, because I can see you're crippled. But we will kneel. She said, I want to kneel. So Brother Danielson, who was with me, he and I helped her. And with great effort, she knelt because she was so crippled. We prayed together, we laid our hands on her, we claimed God's promise to the fullest extent of your infinite love and wisdom. That fullest extent is if he chooses now. If he sees that for some reason it's a greater blessing for her to be healed tomorrow or next day, praise the Lord. He knows what's best. The hands that were nailed to Calvary are safe hands. Amen? Amen. The heart that was broken on Calvary is a good heart, you see. We prayed for her, helped her up, Went on our way. The next morning, she said to her husband, let's get up and go shopping. They shopped for several hours. In the afternoon, she said, let's go over to Brother Coon's meeting. When our song service was on that evening, she was sitting there with her husband, and Brother Danielson spied them during song service. He rushed back in the pastor's study. He said, Brother Coon, the couple are here. 
And right during service, I rushed right out. I gave each of them a coon hug. And I said, thank you, Lord, for your healing. The, I think the next day, they were at our 11 o'clock service. And as they were in the foyer at the close of the service, her medical doctor was standing there. And as I came out and shook her hand, they were beaming. And the doctor looked at me and he said, and he looked at her and he said, unbelievable, unbelievable. But it's not unbelievable. Now, let's hasten to say this. Who has the right to ask God to heal? Anybody who believes Jesus Christ. Uh, do, does any one of us have a, a straight line to God, the Father? None. First Timothy 2.5 says, we have a mediator between God and man. So I have, I've never, I know I, I do not have the gift of healing. I've never claimed it. But I believe. Pastor believes. Uh, those of you who are here, those of you in the audience, you believe the Lord. These signs shall follow them that believe, you see. So if we're believers in Christ, we have a right in humble love to look into his wonderful face and say, oh, what a friend do we have in Jesus. How about you three singing the first stanza? I think it's 320 in our particular church hymnal. And then we'll join the second, if you'd like. There's a text of Scripture, Pastor Verstey, that impresses me very much, and the rest of you and those of you who are viewing or listening. It's Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. <clears throat> We've just been singing about this friend, Jesus. Everywhere he went, he blessed people. Shall we read together verses 14 and 15 of Matthew 8? And when and Jesus, Jesus was, was come into, into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. The words that I appreciate so much, and I've underscored in my Bible, Pastor Verse Day, he touched her hand. He said, I'm with you all the way. And so I'm thinking, Pastor, if you would join with me and the others here and those that are viewing and listening in asking the Lord to touch the hand 
of viewers, of those that are listening, of those of us who are here. Now, it doesn't say he used oil on this particular occasion, you see. But it was Jesus. <laughs> Jesus did it. You know, another place it talks about how she, a woman, touched the hem of his garment. He touched her hand. So shouldn't we just reach up to the Lord and ask each one in our viewing audience, in our listening audience, to ask the Lord to touch your hand? Uh, before we do it, we were holding a series of meetings several years ago in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we set apart one evening in the series for praying for the sick. There were several of us ministers together in this particular series, I think about six of us. And we invited all who wanted us to pray for them to come downstairs in a special room, perhaps a fellowship hall. And really there, were, there was a large number there. And uh, I suggested, why don't we now, as we kneel, I said to those who are there, why don't we, as we kneel, the ministers, I said, will not kneel. But the, but, uh, the rest of you will kneel, and we ministers will go from one to another, just gently lay our hands while I am praying. And we did it. One of the ladies told me later, she said, I had a heart, the doctor had given me the wrong medicine, and my heart was actually pounding. There wasn't anything that would release it. She said, but after that meeting, I didn't realize, I just felt good. Jumped in the car with my husband, I said, I feel so good. She said, when we went to the meeting, the, the vibration was so great, it, it, he could feel the whole car. He said, wait a minute, what's happened? She, she, he said, I don't feel it. She said, well, wait, the Lord's healed me. So why don't we pray together now that the Lord will do this, and then we're going off the air, shall we say, as we're singing Turn your eyes on Jesus. Uh, shall we bow our heads together? And uh, Pastor Verstey, why don't you pray a prayer that the Lord will, if he sees best, touch the hands of those. And then after that, I will lead us all in a praise-by-praise prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the promises of your word. Amen. And we thank you that you have told us that you will be with us, that you will touch our hands, yes. that you will guide us each step of the way. Yes. And I just pray that each person who is viewing or listening will experience your touching power in their lives just now. Thank you for hearing us. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.